All right. Hello, everybody. I am Catherine Barnes. This is the Wonderful Being podcast, and I am so excited to be here today with Philip Megan, who is the writer. Wait, I you already told me all the things and I, I already <laughs> forgot them. Okay, you you say all the things that you are for this great show. Turn me on, dead man. <laughs> Hi, my name is Philip Megan. I am the writer, director, and co-producer of Turn Me On, Dead Man. That's it. Writer, director, co-producer. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Outstanding. Okay, so tell us all about this show. Totally. So about three years ago, I was uh, watching YouTube videos on my TV in my living room, and it was it was music videos of the Beatles, and they were remastered in 4K, and so they looked like they were shot a week ago, even though they were from even though they were from the 60s, and so I was watching it, and I was really fascinated because I realized they were all super young, and I was looking up a lot of stuff about them and the fact that they're one of the most influential bands of all time, and their music changed so drastically from the early days to near the end, just from pop songs to making avant-garde music in a little less than 10 years, and I was looking up a lot of things, and I came across the Paul McCartney is dead conspiracy theory. And I'd never, personally, I'd never heard of this conspiracy theory before. And it was started by a radio DJ who, who was saying that Paul McCartney died in a car accident, was replaced by a lookalike. And there were all these like clues and in these songs, there were these hidden messages. And so I was really inspired by that. And I thought, you know, that would make a really interesting friend show because I had done friend shows in the past and a lot of the ones that I'd seen that were really great were kind of like out there ideas and were, you know, really just interesting anecdotes and stories. And so I thought, oh, this might be a really cool friend show. And then I came across the song Revolution 9 from the White Album. And this song is an eight minute sound collage recorded by the Beatles. It's considered one of, it's considered the worst song the Beatles ever recorded. And it's the longest song they ever recorded too. And I realized that they're in Revolution 9, there's another kind of conspiracy theory regarding Paul is Dead, where in the very beginning of the song, they say number nine, number nine, number nine. And if you play it backwards, and there's YouTube videos that do this, it says, turn me on dead man, turn me on dead man, turn me on dead man. And so I combined Revolution 9, the Paul is Dead conspiracy theory. And so the show takes place during a single day of them recording Revolution 9 with John, George, who's George Martin, Harry, who's George Harrison, and Paul, and then Ko, who's Yoko Ono, and they're recording Revolution 9. And so that's kind of the, uh, the genesis of the play, is that John is trying to figure out really if the Paul is dead thing really is real or not. Oh my gosh, I love it. So, <laughs> you know, that sounds like that we're going to be seeing a window into the Beatles at a time when they were going through a lot of drama. Yeah. And so I wonder, um, are you a musician yourself? Do you have any kind of experience with this kind of band drama or in any other area of your life? For me, um, you know, I come from mostly an acting background. I've done a lot of plays and, you know, I, I've done a lot of plays locally in San Diego. I did recent plays at Moxie Theater in La Mesa. I was an understudy at San Diego Repertory Theater. I worked at La Jolla Playhouse Wow Festival and Tuyo Theater. And so I mostly have an actor background and I, I, I write, I do write a lot of plays, but, you know, it is, it is hard to produce plays, you know, and so I don't, I don't do it as often as I'd like. But for me, I don't, 
I really don't have much of a musical background. I don't play instruments. I can't sing very well, but I've always been fascinated by people that can, that people that can write music really well and people that can sing and play a multitude of instruments. So I really, I liked the idea of the show where, you know, you don't really hear any like actual songs. It's not a musical, but it's a play. And there's, it's very dialogue heavy. So you're seeing this band of these artists that you know are very talented, but you're not actually seeing them, you know, sing, you're not seeing them play songs, but it really is kind of focused on their relationships and their stories. And in this show, you know, it's, it's taking a very revisionist history look at things that happened. Like um, our, our Beatles characters are not, you know, it's not the most faithful adaptation of them from history. So there's a lot of artistic liberties, but it's fun because there's a lot of uh, real life things from Beatles history that I've also kind of sprinkled in. So, you know, going in, you know, there, there's going to be some suspension of disbelief needed. You know, it's not going to be the most straightforward Beatles story. It won't be like the documentary that Disney Plus released, but, you know, it, it'll be an entertaining ride for sure. So, and it's interesting because in the promotional materials that I've seen for the show, you're very careful not to say the Beatles, like you say, like a certain English band. So should we, it sounds like we should all go in expecting something that's like based on the Beatles, but isn't like exactly the Beatles. Yeah, because it's not going to be, um, you know, watching what I like about the show is that like watching it like very quickly, you will realize that, oh, this is the Beatles, but it starts off kind of like, it starts off a little vague in, mm -hmm. in terms of the way the show is structured. And, you know, I I was consulting a lot of people and, you know, I guess in, in some ways the show could be considered parody. I'm not sure what the copyright things are really, you know, regarding that. And so I was kind of careful with some promotional things. I didn't want to just straightforward, like none of the last names are used in the show. and. Mm -hmm. I have kind of like these little like disguises where, you know, so George Martin is played by Jason Maddie and we call him George throughout the show, but there's two Georges because there's George Harrison, George mm -hmm. Martin. So for George Harrison, he's only referred to as Harry throughout the mm. whole show. And so there's kind of these little like name changes I did throughout to just kind of like, so like the, the word Beatles is never said in the entire play. So there, there's some little like tweaks here, but it's just kind of like, I wanted to take something and I want to kind of flip it on its axis and, you know, show people the show. And, you know, it's, it, it's really, it's really fun. It's, it's just, it's out there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what people think of it. Awesome. Very cool. So you know, you've got one hat on right now, but for this show, you're wearing the three hats, the writer, producer, and director, right? Is this the first time that you've done that? Or have you done something like that in the past? I've done it a few times in the past. So I'm really, I'm fortunate. This is actually my fifth San Diego Fringe Festival. Wow. Really crazy. So I, I was in the 2014 Fringe Festival. I was, uh, Alongside my friends, Jacob Sarovsky, Tyler Faison, we had this puppet busking troupe where we were going around the former Horton Plaza Mall and we were doing this mm -hmm. puppet show. And it was really surprising. We won outstanding street theater artists for the Fringe Festival that year. And we were all like super young and we were, we were super elated about that. And then the next year I was an actor in a play. And then in 2016, I wrote, directed and produced my first show for the Fringe Festival 
which was super fun. It was uh, it was based off of uh, I took this Oscar Wilde. It was it was about a group of actors that were producing an Oscar Wilde play where a bunch of hijinks ensue. And we were in the 10th Avenue Art Center downtown. Mm-hmm. And it was very much just an exercise of me trying to figure out what worked and what didn't. I found mm-hmm. that, you know, there was a lot of I, I've learned so much and I'm still learning from this process with every show I do. And then a year later, I did the show called Fulcrum that was in the Lyceum space. That was another kind of big cast. It was a play. I was the writer, director, producer for that. And then that was that was a lot of fun. And that was the last show I did for Fringe. So it's been five years since I did Fringe, the Fringe Festival. And then I did another, I did, I did an independently produced play where I was the I acted in it, wrote it, directed and produced it, which was a lot. I I don't know if I'm ever going to direct myself as an actor on the stage again. That was that was a big challenge. So oh, yeah. I like I like kind of taking a step back and just seeing everything lay out. And I've got such a wonderful talented group of actors. One of the lead actor Jeffrey Ulysses Geisinger is uh, one of my best friends and we've known each other since we did youth theater back in the day. We mm. went to high school. He's been in all my previous fringe projects and so he's really been a huge help. He's the one that plays John in the show and he's on all the posters. Yep. And so that's been really cool. And then I'm directing a former mentor of mine as well, Jason Maddy. Jason Maddy is an actor who's been all over stages in San Diego at the Old Globe, at Signet, San Diego Rep, and he's directed me in some shows. And it's really, it's it's weird now for me to be directing him in a play. And so we, I've learned a lot and it's been a very collaborative process. There's a lot of table work and kind of blocking suggestions and it feels just like, it feels really great because it's, I'm, I'm only as good as the people I surround myself with. And mm-hmm. I've got a really solid cast that all comes in with strong ideas and suggestions and you know we try it out and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if it does like we'll use it and so i've been really fortunate with that awesome so it sounds like are you from san diego i am yeah i've been here since i was six years old oh wow yeah so i I grew up doing youth theater here went to high school here and then i went to college at san diego state and i graduated a year ago oh very nice. Congratulations. Just I, I'm a, I'm from San Diego myself. Um, where did you go to high school and what youth theater did you do? I did I did North Coast Repertory Theater School, which was the youth oh. theater. And so up in Solana Beach. And then I went to Canyon Crest Academy, which yeah. is down. Yeah. From Torrey Pines High School. Mm-hmm. And so I was super I was super fortunate to go there for high school because they had a big theater program, an arts program. And you yeah, and they were great because they had a proscenium theater and a black box theater too. Awesome. Yeah, so they had they had some really cool arts programs there, and not just for theater, but for dance, for painting, for film. And I was super fortunate to go there, and it was a really great group of kids. And Jeffrey actually went to Cathedral Catholic for two years, and then transferred to CCA because mm. he was like, "I want to get in on the plays over there." And it was so that was cool again. So we we've always kind of like our, our, our paths and careers have kind of followed each other for a long time, which is really great. Awesome. I love it. So it sounds like, you know, you've had a lot of experience with, um, writing and producing and directing your own plays. Would, would you have any advice for anyone who might be looking to do that themselves? I, I would just, I would definitely say like practice makes perfect, but at the same time, like what is perfect, you know, like that, that's a really hard thing to achieve. And I, I'd say that like, you know, this is the third show I produced for the Fringe Festival. And I've, 
there's there's so many mistakes I've made in the past and there's so many things that like I you know tried out or I didn't try out that I now have and so I'm oh I'm so sorry I got that's okay that. you're popular what can you do <laughs> um there's so many things I've tried out that like didn't work or I didn't and I'm just like I, I think that you just you have to go in knowing it's it's going to take a lot of hard work you know if, if you produce a show you know it's, it's not just going to be opening night like all these people are just going to show up if you don't you know post anything about it or don't promote it and so you know we've been really good this time around at trying to reach out to as many people as possible and just you know getting emails of press or other contacts and inviting people to the show mailing postcards or putting out flyers and so it's it's really been like a, a big lesson because when I when you do youth theater like growing up it's like oh like all your parents all your friends will come out and see your show but then taking it to something like the Fringe Festival you know especially if you're out of town as well like you don't have that you know support from the home base and so it's really like up to you to like promote it and I'm lucky because I'm still in San Diego and so I will have friends coming to see the show but it's you know it's hard for them sometimes like a lot of people were like, oh, I was going to see the show, but you're not acting in it. Like, I want to see you like act on the stage. And I'm like, no, no, that's just, that's not the only thing I do. You know, I, I'm producing the show as I produce shows as well. And I want to, I want to demonstrate that as well. And so, you know, that can be tricky sometimes, but you know, overall, like I'm really, I'm just thankful, you know, like I'm, I'm thankful. Like I've learned a lot from different mistakes in the past. And I'd say, you know, it just, it, it just takes a lot of effort and a lot of trial and error. And I just think that like with everything I write and produce, like I learned so many mistakes, um, how to rectify them. And I know that in the future, like, should I do the fringe again? Like there's already things that I'm like, oh yeah, like next time I'm gonna, you know, take it from this angle or I'm gonna do this instead. And so I think it's just, yeah, it's just a trial and error process. Just don't don't be afraid to make mistakes and just keep on trying hard and you know just and do do things that you love you know like I, I really I have a lot more faith in this script than I did my other ones and so I think that that shows in the process where it's like you know I've got a great team of people and I'm really thankful for that so okay there's like four different questions I could ask you um <laughs> that's really outstanding advice I think especially about the promotion I think a lot of people go into fringe not really knowing about that um let me follow up with a question about your team because you keep talking about oh i've got this awesome team like a lot of times people don't realize fringe takes a team so tell me about that who's on your team yeah i've got a great i've got a group of five different actors i've got jeffrey ulysses geisinger jason maddie nicholas a castillo lavani corgan shavili and then angeline aj pawan and so they're all wonderful actors and with with you know, when casting a play, I've got five different actors and, you know, it wasn't really so much like I, I tried to get people to audition and I didn't have a lot of submissions, but for all these people, they're all local actors that I'd seen in some capacity or another, or I'd worked with. And so AJ and I were understudies for a play and I was seeing AJ perform on stage during understudy rehearsals. And I thought, oh, she's brilliant. Like I would love to, you know, ask her to be in my show. And then Jason, I've known for years and Jeffrey and then Lavani I saw on a show and I reached out to Lavani and asked and I said hey like I can't I can offer you a stipend you know for the show and this is the script and Lavani was like I'm in and then Nicholas I saw Nicholas in a show as well and then Nicholas was super like you know was super excited to jump on board and so I was really excited about that and my stage manager is Isabella Soleil 
and she's wonderful. She's also an actor and she's been in shows of mine. And then my sound designer is Sarush Madavi and Sarush and I have worked on shows in the past and he's the one that built up the QLab for me and found a lot of the sound effects. And um, yeah, I had other friends of mine too that I reached out, uh, my friend Constantine Mickens, he was the one that designed all of our posters and postcards, which was a huge help because I They're really don't have- cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I really don't have much experience with graphic design, but that's something he does all the time. And so I reached out to him and he gave me a rough draft of it. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want. And then um, my other friend, Keon Heyderi, who has been in a lot of fringe shows as well, he was he's the one where in the very beginning of the show, we have this kind of faux Revolution 9 playing, the sound composition that plays for about 35 seconds. And he was the one that composed that. And so and it's really cool. And uh, I, I helped provide some voices, but he did all the composition rearranging. And so, yeah, I, I got by with a little help from my friends. So <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> I was super happy with that. And they were all great, great people to work with. And I, I think that like, you know, I, I've had my last Fritten show I did, I had 17 actors in it. Oh my was, God way too much that was too much of a hassle to organize rehearsals and getting everybody there and all the fringe passes and i like having like this show is great because i've got five actors that are all just super great to work with and they're all just super committed and you know they're they're willing to try out anything and so i i think and with the show too you know like it's a lot more simplified we're all in one location our set basically just stays on the stage the whole time which is really great and so i think from trial and error too going back to what you had asked me about it's like it's much easier to produce a show that's under an hour where it's all in one location because i've done shows in the past that were like you know oh there's a quick little scene and then lights down set change and then mm. this and that and, and it can be complicated especially you know given the time constraints and so i really came in with this thinking, okay, I'm going to make the tech as simple as possible, location simple as possible, less actors as possible, and just trying to try to simplify everything for myself. Because I, I did I did it before in the past, made the mistakes, and now I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this knowing that I'm going to have some tech limitations. I want to just work with like a small group of great actors and just getting people on my team that I know from the past were great. And so, yeah, I'm really thankful for that. I love it. So, I wanted to ask you quickly, you mentioned that you did the show that was kind of like a street theater type of situation where you guys were wandering around uh, Horton Plaza Mall back when the Fringe was downtown. Um, do you have any advice or suggestions for people who might be interested in doing that type of thing, that type of street performing, which we technically can't do in Balboa Park, but I think some of us are going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, I'd never... I had never done that before. That was the first time I'd ever done that. And honestly, I think that's the last time I ever did it. You know, it was like, that was just the nature of it where we, my friend was really interested in getting into the festival and had reached out to Kevin Charles Patterson and Sean Davis. And they were like, yeah, you know, we're looking for some street buskers to go around the Horton Plaza mall. And if you'd like to do that, like go for it, we'll give you fringe passes. You'll be you know, on the website and uh, you can even like put out a hat if you want people to drop money or any of that. And so that's what we did. And it was, it was hard, you know, sometimes we had people where we'd perform in front of some benches and people would come and sit down and it was like a puppet show. It, it was like a circus puppet show where I was the ringmaster. So I was not a puppet, but then my other friends were in the back with puppets on like a little stand. And I had a, I had a megaphone with me. That we oh. 
Yeah, which was, and we kind of, we got into some trouble with some of the shops and stores at the time. There was an employee from Macy's that came out that was like, hey, you really, you can't have a megaphone in here. You're just being disrupted to everyone. And the megaphone was bad too, because there was like a siren sound effect as well, where <laughs> you have, I had the megaphone and I was like, come on, everybody do the We Three Puppet Circus. Come on over now. And, but then if you just kind of adjusted, like, if you push the button with your thumb, the, the slider a little bit, it would go right to the siren. And the siren was just, it sounded like an ambulance. And so we got into some trouble. And I remember like, I don't know, I was I was a dumb kid and I probably just pressed it to be funny a couple of times. And it we probably got some flack from people. And, but you know, that, that was just, it, it taught us a lot. Like there were people that were really engaged with us and there were people that weren't. And I think too, like, when you go around Bellwell Park and you're flyering and you're giving things out to people, you know, some people are going to be super, super willing to take some flyers and postcards and going to be engaged. Other people are going to say, oh, no, thank you. Like, I don't really want one. And, you know, that's okay, too. That's just the nature of the Fringe Festival. Like, in the past, the shows I've done, there were people that loved our shows. Some people did not really care for our shows. So it, it's just all, it's all a matter of opinion. And it's just like, it's not something to, not something to take personally. You know, art is super just, it's a wide, it's a wide range of interests and likes, you know, people, some people love musicals. Some people don't like musicals, you know, it's just, it's not everyone's thing, you know? Right. And so, you know, it's just, it's good to like, not take that personally as, as people that create art and, want to entertain people because you know you really you really don't know what someone's going to be into or not so right. I just think like but it's just it's just great to just put it out there and see see how it's responded to I love it hey that that sounds like an outstanding fringe attitude to me <laughs> yeah so. it's just it's it's all like going into it I I just come in like with a positive attitude because it's a lot it's exhausting and there's a lot of running around and hoops to maneuver but you know it's just it's really refreshing to see especially after a three-year period where the fringe festival didn't happen to go out and see all these artists and to sit in during previews and see all these people putting up these shows and people from across the country and states and it's really it's really just great to see and it makes me happy because it's you know i remember like two years ago just hanging out in my room on zoom classes for university and i was like oh you know i really miss being on a stage right now and uh you know and that was the thing too with this play where i was writing a lot of it over covid two years ago and i kind of mm -hmm. was like i have no idea whenever i'm gonna put this up if it ever happens and i just remember like writing 20 pages of it putting it away and then months later picking it up again reading through it thinking oh it would be cool to do this someday and you know it's, it's finally happening so i'm excited I love it. I love it. This show is a COVID baby and you're getting to see your dream come true. So that that is outstanding. Hey, where can people find your show? Where can they find you? Um, when's your opening performance? Our opening performance is June 3rd, which is Friday at um, 9 or tomorrow. I guess yeah, I think yeah. I'll be posting this. OK. Well, it's Friday the 3rd, and I plan to post it on Friday the 3rd. So there you go. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be 9 p.m. Friday, June 3rd, and uh, we're going to be at the Marie Hitchcock Puppet Theater. You can buy tickets at the door, or you can go to www.sdfringe.org and find Turn Me On Dead Man. You can also find us on Instagram. So our theater company is called Mainstage Mavericks. Okay. And so on Instagram, at Mainstage Mavericks, and we're also on Facebook. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to www.philipmagan.com. And um, there's some more stuff about me posted and about the show. And 
yeah, there's there's a million ways to get tickets and it'll it'll be a fun time. It'll and definitely I'm, be a fun time. I'm super excited to see your show. We oh, all thrilled. Yes, to see no, that. maybe so. <laughs> yes, we loved your preview performance. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was I was so relieved that that people laughed. I was like, oh no, this is this is so scary. There are tubas, there is magic, there is, you know, like color and dance and things. And now I'm gonna be awkward and people still liked it. That's why I love fringe. People have an open mind. Yes, right? and you you've done many fringe festivals, right? I guess I have. Yeah, I've done, I did San Diego for the first time in 2018 because, you know, I live here. Um, and then I, I did Tucson. I've done that in person in 2019. And then I did it virtually in this past January. So that was 2022. I've done High Desert Fringe a couple times. And then last year I took Yes, No, Maybe So to Hollywood Fringe. And that is a Another story for another time, because that that Fringe Festival is very big and very intense and very different than San Diego. So, um, yeah, I've, I've done some Fringe Festivals in my day. That's wonderful. That's super cool. Yeah, it's it's our hope that someday, you know, we're able to do. We were I was doing a, a show with uh, someone else that was producing it, but he really wanted to take it to Tucson Fringe. And we, he was considering that and it never ended up happening. But my fr my friend actually is doing Hollywood Fringe this summer and has a show there. And he was a big San Diego fringe person producing a lot of shows there. And so I'm happy that, you know, someday I hope to do another fringe festival outside of San Diego. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot of experience producing locally. And I can tell you that if you know how to do that, like you've probably got a leg up for taking the show on tour. Oh, thank so. you. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, everybody go see Turn Me On, Dead Man, done by the, the remind me the name of your company again? Main Stage Mavericks. By the Main Stage Mavericks. And um, check out Mr. Philip Megan. Thank you so much for coming and doing this interview with me today. And I am really, really excited to see your show tomorrow. Thank you so much, Catherine. We are so excited to see your show. I'm going to get my whole cast there. Yay! <laughs> Take care. Thank you.